Well, we return to the book of Proverbs. It's been a little while. We have looked at themes in Proverbs, which is part of wisdom literature. Remember, Jesus broke up the Old Testament Scriptures in three divisions. The prophets, I'm sorry, the Law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Psalms includes just is a designation for the wisdom literature. Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and the Song of Solomon. Well, we looked, we've looked at doctrinal and practical themes. The fear of the Lord, salvation, prayer, heaven and hell, a work ethic, debt, generosity, marriage, purity, truthfulness, and so on. There certainly are, there's a category one might call potpourri, potpourri of verses that are not covered under topics and themes, and also repeated proverbs, which I have been um, touching on lately. Ian Goliger had an interesting uh, comparison between parables and proverbs. He likened parables to video and proverbs to still photographs. Video, for instance, of the Good Samaritan versus the photograph of a soft dancer turns away wrath. I told you about the time that a man put his nose as far up as he could to my nose. Not far, it's not, it doesn't take much to put your nose near my nose because my nose will reach your nose in no hurry but he was mad not at me but long story but I was returning an item and I could sense the atmosphere was vicious and when I walked in he came running out at me and as he was as he was spewing out all kinds of different colorful words. The verse just kept coming to my mind. A soft answer turns away wrath. And so if you'd have taken a picture of that man, he was about a foot shorter than I was trying to reach me. He did get to my nose. And uh, that would have been a photograph to remember. Proverbs 21 verse 1. But I would like to touch upon another repeated proverb this afternoon. We have, we have considered this subject, but I'd like to revisit it in a, in, a, in a fresh way. Chapter 18 of Proverbs, or I'm sorry, chapter 16 and verse 28. Chapter 16, 28 reads, A froward man soweth strife, and a whisperer separateth chief friends. And then the very next chapter, chapter 17 and verse 9, He that covereth the transgression seeketh love, but he that repeateth the matter separateth very friends. So you see the second half of these two verses are the same. One says a whisperer separateth chief friends. Another says... Um, he that repeateth the matter separateth very friends. But the idea is there about the separation of friends. 
And so the subject would be on friendship, you know, developing good friendships or godly friendships. Notice in verse 28 is what's called a synonymous parallelism. A forward man soweth strife and. So that you're expecting the second part of that verse to be similar to the first part. As a forward or crooked person sows strife or division, so a whisperer separateth chief friends, he divides. So there's a there's synonymous parallelism. Hebrew poetry is not rhyme normally. When we think of poetry, we, we think of rhyme predominantly in the English language. But in the Hebrew, it's parallelism. Whether it's synonymous, both statements are similar, or like verse 9, you have the antithetic parallelism. You see, uh, he that covers a sin, or he that covers a transgression, seeketh love, but... He that repeateth the matter separateth friends. So in verse 9, unlike chapter 16 and verse 28, there's opposites. And then there's another parallelism that's called um, synthetic. And it adds to the first statement. It doesn't just parallel it. It adds information to it. Fear of the Lord, in the fear of the Lord is strong confidence, and his children shall have a place of refuge. So you see that it adds to it. A person that fears the Lord will bring comfort to his children. That's a verse that teaches that like parents, so will be like children. If a parent is very suspicious and, and cynical, the children are going to be. If a parent is trusting the Lord and and uh, resisting the fear of man, it will be a refuge to the children. His his children will have a place of refuge. But we have these two proverbs that bring repeated statements. And so friendship has been touched earlier, but we find here that friendship is either threatened or facilitated depending on a person's character and behavior. And these Proverbs are certainly underlining the need to acquire friendliness and friendships, to to acquire friendliness in in ourselves and to adopt friendship. The Lord made Adam and Eve. He didn't just make Adam. He made us sociable creatures. He gave them children grandchildren and great-grandchildren and a church and a society. And so getting married is adopting a friendship. Befriending others is adopting friendships. Covenanting with a good church is friendship. Uh, Coaching a softball team or a soccer team or having a, a neighborhood Home school group is adopting friendship. Walking your dog with your unsaved neighbor as they walk the dog is adopting a friendship. So, three thoughts from these verses. Friendship considered, number one. 
It speaks of chief friends in verse 28 and then the next chapter, very friends. Actually, the word simply is a confidant, one who is, is trusting in nature. It's translated, it's used one other time in Proverbs in chapter 2 and verse 17 where this word is not translated friend, but it's translated guide. A unfaithful wife is trespassing against the guide of her youth. And the word guide is the same word for friend here, or friends. So a spouse should be a friend, but especially the word means a confided. A true friend is someone you can confide in. Someone you can trust with, with personal information. One, you, one who's trustworthy. It's used in Jeremiah 3.4 uh, of God. You cry unto God who is one to be trusted. Jeremiah 3.4 But people are, instead of turning to the trustworthy God, they're turning to the, the untrustworthy people. In Micah, he describes the society that's falling apart when he says, Trust ye not in a friend, put not your confidence in a guide. Now, that seems reverse psychology. But you look at the context and what he's saying is, everybody's untrustworthy. So no matter if they, if they propose to be trustworthy or confident, he's saying we're going to be disappointed in the kind of society that turns from God. And it, it speaks of not only societal collapse, but family collapse. It's an interesting chapter, the last chapter in Micah. I encourage you to read it. It's, it's really, it's like you're reading the front pages. Well, let me just read a few verses there. I hadn't planned to, but tell me if, tell me if I'm reading the newspaper when I quote a few of these verses. We're in uh, Micah chapter 7. Just start with verse 2. The good man is perished out of the earth. There's none upright among men. They all lie in wait for blood. They hunt every man his brother with a net. That they may do evil with both hands earnestly. The prince asketh, so it's not only society, the leadership, government, the prince asketh and the judge asketh for a reward, for bribes. And the great man, he uttereth his mischievous desire, so they wrap it up. The best of them is as, is as a briar. The most upright is sharper than a thorn hedge. The day of thy watchman and thy visitation cometh. Now shall, they be, now shall be their prosperity. Now here's that verse. Trust ye not in a friend. Why not? Put ye not confidence in a guide. Why not? That's what we should do. And the idea is there are no guides. There are no friends. Everybody is self-centered, narcissist. Keep the doors of thy mouth from her that lieth in thy bosom. Even your own spouse is untrustworthy. For the son dishonoreth the father. The daughter riseth up against her mother. The daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies are the men of his own house. And therefore, what is our solution? I'm going to look to the Lord. But he even confesses his own sin in verse 9. I've sinned against the Lord. So Micah is describing the collapse of society, the collapse of the family, the collapse of friendships. 
2023. I read recently of a, I think he's the governor that's that's uh, out west somewhere that is on board of of, of uh, he's against reconstructive surgery and children and he's against the uh, sexual revolution but his son is on board with the sexual uh, revolution and so he's combating his father. It's the way it is in this day and age. Of all places where we should find trustworthiness and friendship, iron sharpening iron, it should be in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. But how often we even disappoint each other, don't we? Our prayer should be, Lord, help me to be a friend for life. So Micah is saying, you're going to be disappointed in society, even in the family. But may it not be so in the church. So the proverb between the lines is encouraging good friendships. To have such friends that are faithful and reliable. Now there are two other words in Proverbs that are translated friend. The next word is translated uh, friend, but it's, it's, uh, it's referring to someone who's a loved one, someone who's near, a neighbor. It's translated neighbor often. A friend loves at all times, chapter 17, verse 17. It's not the same word for friend in verse 9. It's used iron, as iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. Again, that's not the same word in chapter 16, 28, and 17, 9. It's a different word. But you, you, uh, you gain the, the full orb of what a friend should be. Number one, a friend is someone who's trustworthy, a confidant. Secondly, a friend is someone who loves. Someone who helps as iron sharpens iron. A friend is, is someone that's a confidant, but it's also someone that's a positive influence on us. A helpful influence. And you want to be a friend that's not only trustworthy, but helpful as well. It's the idea of chapter 20, verse 13, or is it 13, verse 20? He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. Birds of a feather flock together and we don't want to be the kind of bird that flocks uh, with dirty birds, so to speak. We want to make sure that our friends, include our spouse, who we choose as a spouse, who we, who we uh, choose as members of a church, who we covenant with in a church, and uh, in any, any group, we need to be careful. Now, of course, we need to be salt and light. If you want to be a fireman, to be a, a witness to firemen and women and to the community, you're not probably going to find a fire department that's full of confidence. But that's to be salt and light. You understand what I mean? Our friends should be those that are picked. And we should, first of all, be that kind of friend so that we can join others. So the second word is a loved one. I'm sorry, the second word is someone that's, uh, who's helpful, who's a neighbor, who's near. 
And the third word is someone that it's more the idea of a loved one, one who loves you, who really cares for you. Um, chapter 18, verse 24, a friend sticketh closer than a brother. That's the third Hebrew word. And that word means a loved one. Faithful are the wounds of a loved one. Chapter 27 and verse 6. And so you put all three together and we are to be people that are affectionate to one another. We are to be a people that are um, helpful spiritually, facilitate holiness and godliness and righteousness. And like the first word, we're to be a trustworthy friend. And so we are to, to study, to cultivate the, uh, the fullness of the idea of friendship. God made us social creatures. What did He say to Adam? It's not good that man should be alone. And so, that is speaking to, say, young people who should want to get married, find a godly spouse. Or if it's your will as you're older, if, if it's God's will. Secondly, it's, we're to be looking for a church that is full of godly people who are friends in those three senses. And of course, to develop a family that's like that. Trustworthy, helpful, and affectionate. We need to study to be thorough in our friendships. And so... This idea of friendship is covenantal in nature. The Lord is desiring that we adopt godly friendships. It's so important because it's so vulnerable and so threatened as we see in the negatives of these verses. Think about the Garden of Eden. The devil was successful from dividing Adam from Eve and dividing Adam and Eve from the Lord. The two strongest friendships in the world are friendship with God. What did God say of Abraham? He was the friend of God. Adam and Eve were friends of God. God was their friend. He's saying, what a friend we have in Jesus. They hid from God. He was successful in dividing that friendship. And they sowed fig leaves together. That wasn't because of their embarrassment from God seeing them, but even their own suspicion of each other is, is involved in that idea. He separated Adam from Eve. That they weren't able to trust each other. You think of that. She was deceived and yet she infected Adam. And yet he was responsible. So Eve sinned against Adam by offering him the fruit. But Adam sinned against Eve by taking it and the whole human race. And so sin sin will divide friendships. So whether you're wise or foolish, the Bible says it's due to, due to friendship. Whether you're hurt or helped, whether you're saved or lost, whether you're loving or hateful, much has to do with the kind of friendships that you and I covenant together. 
And so friendship is considered and considered very important in the Bible. Covenant friendships, marriage, the church, the family, those are all friendship relationships. And even among believers of other churches, it's one kingdom. But the Proverbs here threaten secondly, or say the friendship is threatened. A froward man soweth strife, argumentation, and a whisperer separateth chief friends. And then he that repeateth the matter separateth chief or close friends. So the Bible is underlining dangers in friendships, whether close or not. Now, there are three. Now, these aren't the only dangers, but there are three dangers to friendships in these two verses. One is strife. Strife will, will cause a friendship to be fragile. Whispering, whatever that is, and repeating a matter. So think of those three things that endanger friendship. Strife, whispering, and repeating a matter. The Lord warns us to not allow these negative things to infiltrate to divide friendships. So the first one is strife. A forward man soweth strife. Strife in the friendship. Soweth uh, the word is translated discord in chapter 6. God hates those that sow discord among the brethren. It's translated brawling in chapter 2, verse 19, a brawling woman. 21.9, I'm sorry. 21.9. And it's translated a contentious woman in 21.14. So the word strife means arguments and disagreements. Can we agree to disagree? I mean, this is a challenge to every friendship. Not everybody crosses their T's and dots their I's alike. But what is the challenge? Like Augustine said, he said, in essentials, unity. In non-essentials, liberty. In all things, charity. That's a good thing to keep in mind. In essentials, the deity of Christ, the literal heaven or hell, Salvation by grace. Unity. You don't agree to disagree on those things. You must agree on, on, on the essentials of the faith. How can two walk together except they be agreed? So there's doctrinal. But there's non-essentials. In non-essentials, liberty. Whether you believe in, in, in a uh, thousand-year reign or whether you believe it's a, it's a spiritual thousand-year reign. Whether you believe in immersion or sprinkling or pouring. Now, there are those that say it isn't essential to believe in one or the other. The Bible doesn't indicate that. There are a lot of non-essentials that we, meet, we need to have liberty about as we... Say in the free church, there's liberty in eschatology. There's liberty in the modes of baptism and even liberty whether you're a credo or a pedo baptist There are areas where believe good 
believers have differed over the years. We need to be liberal in the sense of having liberty. But in all things, like 1 Corinthians 16 says, in all, let all your things be done with charity. So as, as believers, we've got to guard our friendships with humility. We're going to disagree. Are we, are we going to disagree with love? With, that friendship is more important than agreeing on non-essentials. Now, if, if I'm in a church and I'm, I'm friends with that church and friends with a preacher and we have that friendship, but if the preacher all of a sudden one day says, I don't believe in hell anymore, or I, don't, I believe that salvation is by good works, then I'm going to cut off my friendship with that preacher and with that church if they, that church follows. That's an essential. So, we need to pick our battles. Some people battle over everything, essentials and non-essentials. They just want to battle. They're just pugnacious. And I use that word because my friend had a dog named Pudgy. And if I ever saw a cantankerous, uh, brawling dog, it was Pudgy. You didn't dare walk in the garage. His chain got to the very front of the garage, and you could, you know, you could do this if you're standing in front. I never did that with him because I didn't want him to be angry at me. But that dog was an angry bird. He wanted to fight. It didn't matter who, except his family. And the Lord wants us to be amicable people. He wants us to not so strife. But this is warning that strife argumentation focusing on our disagreements is going to threaten our friendships God help us to learn to be humble to submit one to another and to learn to disagree let them tell their story I hope that when we're talking with someone that we're not just waiting what's in our mind is how to answer them rather let me just hear them out Let's hear their story instead of we can't wait to tell our story. Let's be listeners and learn to be humble. The second threat, a whisper separated friends. A whisper is translated talebearer in chapters 18.8 and 26.22. A whisper is a gossiper, a slanderer. The Bible says that, that these wounds, look at chapter 20, I'm sorry, chapter 18 and verse 8. The words of a talebearer are as wounds and they go down into the innermost parts of the belly. It speaks about the hurt that's caused by slander and gossip. It goes deep into the heart. And again, even if it's true, Negative words should go vertically. Up to God. Up to your parent if it's among the siblings. Up to your counselors, the elders, if it's a matter in the church. It should not go horizontally. It should not go horizontally. 
or you saw someone uh, speeding. So should you walk in the church next, next Sunday and tell everybody in the church you saw somebody speeding? First of all, we should go to them and say, you know, you alright? Is there a problem? And if it's excessive, we take it to the elders. Do we have to spread it in the pew? Just giving an example of those who whisper cause deep hurt when we gossip or slander someone. Lord, help us speak well of people. Love suffers long. is kind. The word kind is the idea of useful, helpful. And so whispering, gossiping, tail-bearing is hurtful to friendships. Thou shalt not go up and down as a tail-bearer among thy people. Leviticus chapter 19. So let's be careful that if we have something negative to say, do we take do we not take it to the person himself or herself? And then the third danger to friendship is repeating a matter. He that repeats a matter separateth friends. The word repeat means to strike again. It's talking about the second time. For instance, in chapter 24, it's called given to change or um, someone who, who seems to strike again at something negative. He that returns to folly is like the dog that returns to his vomit, chapter 26 and verse 11. And so that's a negative thing. To turn to your vomit is negative and to turn back to, to gossip. In other words, it's it's... It's, it's translated doubled in Genesis 41 where the dream was doubled. And Joseph said that that was of God. But the idea is a person repeats a matter. In other words, he's bringing up a matter that's already settled. That's the idea. It's already under the blood. You know, last year, do you remember when you, know, you were mean to me? Wait a minute. Right after it happened, I asked you to forgive me. It's over with. It's under the blood. Why are you bringing it up again? And again and again and again. That's what will separate friendships if we aren't forgiving and we aren't forgetting. Now, you say, well, I can't forget what they did to me. But you, don't have, you can choose not to bring it up again. Aren't we all offended by each other from time to time? We need that kind of love that covers a multitude of sins. In other words, if you and I are constantly rehearsing something or that someone said or did to us, if we're always rehearsing it, it's like we're, we're re-wounding ourselves. Number one, if they don't repent, we've, we, we ask them to, for, to, to, to repent and to say they're sorry. If they don't, we leave them with the Lord. If we're just hurting ourselves by rehearsing it over and over and over again. And if it's already under the blood, we're sinning by bringing it back up again and rehearsing it and rehearsing it. It's, in other words, we're, we, we're reinvigorating our bitterness. We're bringing more bitterness into our soul whenever we rehearse the matter over and over again. We're keeping it uncovered rather than covering it. 
Friendship is so precious that God is warning about what endangers. He's saying, guard it. Guard it against strife. Guard it against whispering. Guard it against repeating a matter. Friendships are so rare. Good friendships are so rare. And we only have one shot at it in this life to, to uh, sharpen each other, to prepare each other for eternity. I like in the one another command to wash one another's feet, not as if it's a third sacrament. But what's the idea of washing the feet? You're cleaning off the dirt. And the idea of washing feet is to your concern for someone's holiness. You're concerned for their holiness. And it's not going to help them if we're bitter toward them, right? Or if we cause strife in the relationship. Or if we are slanderers or gossipers. So the Lord is warning us about the threats. Friendship considered and appreciated. Friendship threatened. These verses are are cautioning us against those things that divide friendships. And so the devil will try to cause strife in your marriage, in the church, in the family, in whatever Christian group that we might have. He wants to sow strife. He wants people to whisper behind the back. He wants people to be unforgiving and to repeat matters and to just constantly blow them up in the face of the one who's offended us. When the Lord says we are to love one another. The third idea is friendship that should be fostered and facilitated. Now, we've looked at the negatives, but we look at them one more. We avoid sowing strife, right? We avoid sowing strife by gossip and so on. Strife's causes in the Bible are gossip, pride. Sometimes we, we, we're, uh, we love to expose others' weaknesses because it makes us look better. An unforgiving spirit and just sin. But we avoid strife. We avoid gossip, the juicy news. We don't need to know everybody's dirty laundry. And you know... You go, on a, you go on a website, you go on a news site, and you're going to see something, someone's picture, and say, someone is having a divorce. You know, I don't need to know that. Or, it, it's so much negative information. Just scroll down. I mean, and you know what sites you're going to constantly see. Gossip. There's no need to go on those sites. Or you know that got juicy news is coming when you hear, have you heard that? Have you heard what she did? Have you heard what he said? Those are triggers or signs of gossip. What should we do is to take it to the Lord in prayer when we find out something negative about someone. To seek godly counsel. To read the Bible. Or to stop someone from saying something negative if we know it's going to be said. Wait a minute, before you tell me about so and so, do I need to know that? Do I need to know that? Have you prayed about it? Have you talked to the person himself? An unforgiving spirit. It's love that covers a multitude of sins. Let's avoid an unforgiving spirit. Let's, 
Let's constantly pray for our own forgiveness. And I'll tell you, if we are confessing our own sins, we're going to develop a spirit of forgiveness because we're expecting God to forgive us. How can I expect God to forgive me if I won't forgive my brother and sister and let it go? And the Lord, matter of fact, says, if, if you come to worship and you, hear, and you know that someone has ought against you, or even if you have ought against both sides, leave your gift and go be reconciled. The Lord taught us about that in a parable. He forgave that servant a million dollars. And you have a fellow servant that owes you a dollar? Can't we? We've got to remain in the shadow of the cross to have a forgiving spirit. But the positive of sowing good friendships is sow concord. Be thankful and admire the accomplishments of someone. Edify with Scripture. Even when someone might confess a weakness or a downfall, say, Brother, you've joined, you've joined the, the, the crowd. We're, we're all sinners and we all fall, but we're going toward heaven together. Let's sow concord with each other. Let's be thankful people. Let's admire the gifts of others and appreciate their accomplishments. Secondly, let's commend or speak well of people versus gossiping. Even if the so-called gossip is true, we need to pray for each other. Do I need this information? Let's commend, let's speak well of people versus to gossip. And Thirdly, let's forgive. Yes, they may need to repent, but that's between them and the Lord now that you've, you've Approach them. Now it's up to me to have a forgiving spirit and not allow their, unfor- their impenitence to embitter me. We're victims. If we allow someone's impenitence or gossip or strife to infect me, I've got to meet the Lord and I've got people to influence for good. I can't allow a person to infect me, my soul. We're going to glory together. I choose to leave it before the Lord. I, I choose not to rehearse it. I'm not going to let offenses destroy me. Whom have I offended a million times? And there is forgiveness with Him that, I might, that He might be feared. We're going to spend eternity together. We're needing to see these people converted that may have hurt us. Aren't their souls more important than our peace? I think so. And so the Lord is urging us to develop and adopt good friendships, godly friendships, and to beware of the dangers, but to be on on the offensive, to promote those, those things that facilitate friendships, to guard our friendships. To know that heaven is full of godly friendship. Heaven is just one big friendship. What a day that will be. No sin. No sin, no gossip, no strife. Holiness and righteousness. But we can begin now. Let our 
marriages, our families, our churches be atmospheres of heaven. Good and godly friendships. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that we would be friends of God like Abraham. Lord, you warn us the friendship of the world is enmity with thee. We pray that you deliver us. We know, Lord, there's a fine line between being a friend and being a friend in the world and yet befriend souls. Will help us to know the difference. You were, Lord, called sarcastically a friend of, of sinners. You were a friend. You were not infected. Well, Lord, how you affected souls with your love and with the gospel. Oh, Lord, please develop our, our marriages and families and churches and godly friendships. Pray that our single ones would choose godly mates. The Lord, you would give, send us godly, the peace of people that want to be godly and true friends as members of the church. And give us children and grandchildren that are true friends. Lord Jesus, thank you that you're the friend that sticketh closer than the brother. Pray, Lord, that this church truly would be known for close and godly friendship. Please. Preserve us, Lord. Sanctify us. Bless us. Help us to go into the world and befriend souls. And yet to be careful. Like you said, the blessed man walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But yet, Lord, that we would walk together in agreement of the essentials of the truth, we truly would have the the charity to agree to disagree of those things that are not so important. Help us, Lord. Time is short to reflect You. We pray this in, in Your name.